Let's open our hearts. Let's be ready to receive. Thank you. Yes, that was a bad prank. Bad form. We crossed the line on that one. I am so excited to be here tonight. Um, I'm excited about this mindset series um, that, that Ben's doing. Who's enjoyed the series so far and all the speaking on the mindset and all that? It's been fantastic. So I'm really excited to continue that tonight. And um, God has been putting something on my heart. And I love this topic of mindset. And we, as a family, have been constantly teaching this um, to our children um, about attitude and the power of our choices. Um, so that's been a very common theme in our home, especially with a almost double digiter on the way. Taryn will be turning 10 soon. So yeah, it's a very common theme in our home. So it's something I love, and I love um, just constantly trying to be mindful of being a better person, um, making good choices that will affect our future. And um, now I'm naturally an optimist, and uh, I like to look on the bright side of life. I try to see the good in people as best as I can and give them the benefit of the doubt. And um, the Bible says we reap what we sow. And I'm a firm believer that we should sow a little bit of optimism to the pessimists of the world, or as they like to call themselves, realists. My husband, one of them. <laughs> Um, and you see, even optimists, we face things in life. We face challenges in life. Everyone faces things in life where we have to make choices, um, choices that will affect our future. Are we going to make positive choices? Are we going to make negative choices? And everyone has a choice in how we proceed in our thinking, and our choices will affect the outcomes in our life. And the title of my message, continuing on the Mindset series, is The Choice is Yours. We choose to live offended or to overcome. And there's times in everyone's life where we're faced with being offended. We get offended about a lot of different things. And offended means resentful, annoyed, upset, or be displeasing to. And overcome means succeeding in dealing with, to prevail, and to prevail were to improve more powerful than the opposing forces. I don't know about you, but I would rather overcome than stay offended. And when someone or something is said or done that results in us being resentful or annoyed and upset, we've become offended. But what do we do with that? What do we do when we become offended by someone or something in our life, the injustices that happen? Do we live with it? Do we dwell in it? Do we let it consume us and control us? Or do we rise above and overcome it? So how can we overcome our offenses? And that's what I want to look at tonight. We're going to go back into the Old Testament, and we're going to look at um, someone that was faced with losing his entire future as a result of somebody else's actions and his own. But um, rather than stay in a life of being offended... Um, he chose to make choices to overcome that. So please turn with me to Genesis 25, verse 19. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, if anyone cares. <laughs> I know Jenny does. 
we're talking about Esau and Jacob, but we're not looking at the life of Jacob. Everyone preaches on the life of Jacob, and there's reason for that. There's a lot on Jacob. There's not a whole lot on Esau, but I want to focus on Esau tonight because he's the victim. And uh, we're going to look at some victim today and how you can not stay a victim. So Esau's a really good example of that. So the birth of Esau and Jacob, this is verse 19 in chapter 25. This is the account to the family of Isaac. I'm going to go down to 21. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb, so she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me, she asked. And the Lord told her, The sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger one. Your younger son. So we're going to look at this toxic relationship between these twin brothers. And as we go through the story, we're going to focus our attention on Esau, like I said, and how he overcame staying a victim due to the choice he made that positively altered his future. And um, if we go to verse, it talks about he sells his birthright. So as you see, the two struggle together in the womb, and it's told, the Lord says, your older son will serve your younger son. Verse 26, then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So Esau was actually the firstborn. He comes out first, and Jacob is following by grabbing his heel. That's how their birth happened. Esau then sells his birthright. So when they grow up, they're having fun back there. I'm going to keep reading this. Verse 27. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So you're not supposed to play your favorites with your kids, right? But, but yeah. <laughs> Preach it, sister. Yes, <laughs> you're not supposed to play favorites, but Isaac preferred Esau. It was his kind of man. He was dad's boy, and um, Jacob was pretty much a mama's boy. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. This is important. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. Contempt means beneath consideration or worthless. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was the firstborn and I had the rights, inheritance rights that they had back in this day, I wouldn't show contempt for that. And we're going to look at that a little bit more as to what it means to have the birthrights. Birthrights back in the Old Testament were your inheritance rights as the firstborn. 
in Hebrew families. Now, the property was divided between sons, and the firstborn got a double portion. The birthright can be forfeited if the behavior is offensive to the father or if you're opposed to God's will. And Esau in this story is clearly not in God's will. And we'll look at that. But we need to understand the importance of this specific birthright. And let's look back at the family history at what's at stake, because he is the descendant from Abraham. So Genesis 17, I'm just going to go back a little bit, and we're going to get an idea about what this looks like. Genesis 17, verse 4 through 8. This is my covenant with you. This is the Lord speaking to Abraham. This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as the foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be your possession forever and I will be their God. So if we go back to chapter 25 where we were, <clears throat> Isaac, so Abraham gets this, this covenant, and it is an eternal covenant. He's just been given the entire land of Canaan. He says, your descendants will live upon it. You will be fruitful. You will be the father of many nations. And um, he gets to pass that down to Isaac. So Isaac is his son. So we establish that Abraham is pretty much the chosen one. He gets God's eternal blessings and covenants, and it's all then passed to Isaac. Isaac is the father of Esau and Jacob. So we see the descendant here and the heritage and the history, and we see as the firstborn who gets what. So Esau, being the firstborn, is technically supposed to inherit all of this. So who wouldn't want that? And yet back in verse 34, Esau showed contempt for his rights. He didn't care. He just didn't care. He was very foolish, and he traded it for a bowl of stew. I don't know about you, but that's pretty foolish. So we fast forward now to chapter 27. Jacob then steals Esau's blessing. So not only did he just sell his birthright, but there's also a blessing that the father bestows upon the son on his deathbed. So Isaac has the twins and Jacob and Esau, and it was declared his descendants would be nations and kings. So we go back to first, or chapter 27, where Jacob steals Esau's blessing. I'm going to read a little bit of that. One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, My son, remember he's the favorite. I am an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and a quiver full of arrows and go into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. 
Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. But Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, Listen, I overheard your father to Esau. Bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare for your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. So mum, good old mum, is helping her favorite son steal the blessing. Not only has he already gotten the birthright um, that Esau chose to forfeit for a bowl of stew, but now he also wants the blessing. And mum is helping him do that. <clears throat> then, um, sorry, lost my spot. So Jacob, Esau goes out to do what his father has asked him to do. He's gone out to find his game, to kill it and prepare the meal. Meanwhile, Mum is helping Jacob, and Jacob then deceives him. He gets a goat from out in the fields. His mother prepares the meal. She dresses him in Esau's clothes. They put goat skin on him so that he's as hairy as Esau, because Esau was a very hairy man, and Jacob was the fine, no hair, maybe just a little peach fuzz, perhaps. But uh, he was the baby face of the family. So she dresses him up and gets him into character to pretend that he's Esau. Um, Jacob then goes in pretending, and Isaac is so old and blind he can't see, and he doesn't really know who's in there, and he calls for his son to give him the blessing, and Jacob is pretending to be him. So Jacob went over and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced, and he blessed his son. He said, "'All the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors which the Lord has blessed.'" And here is the blessing. From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants, and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. And Isaac finished the blessing with Jacob, and Esau then returns. Esau returns and discovers what his brother has just done. He's come in, he's done his whole meal, he has no understanding of what's just gone on, and he comes to Isaac and he says, here I am, Father, I'm ready for my blessing. And Isaac's a little confused. He says, what, what do you mean? I've just given my blessing. And so they discover what's just happened. Verse 34, when Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here, and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved even one blessing for me? Now I want to stop there for a minute, because it says Esau has the perception, and he says... First, he took my rights as the firstborn, 
and now he has stolen my blessing. But that's a little deceptive because he gave it away, didn't he? The birthright was not taken from him. Jacob didn't steal the birthright. Esau gave it away. That was bad choice number one. He took it. That's not entirely true. Where he's feeling offended by Jacob's actions and his perception of truth changes. So he's feeling offended so much to where his perception of truth has now changed. He doesn't see his wrong in it. He's playing the victim card, and he's justifying, and he is now blaming based on something that he actually should be responsible for. Was he wrongfully done by here? Absolutely. Was he treated unjustly, and was he deceived? Absolutely. But we have to understand here is that if we choose to live with the offense, our perception of truth changes, and our minds can spiral to an unhealthy state. Verse 38 to 40. Esau pleaded, but do you have only one blessing? Oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept. Finally, his father Isaac said to him, you will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. The first part really isn't a blessing. It's more of a statement of truth for Esau. He's pretty much telling it like it is. Based on you giving away your birthright, this is what's happened. There's consequences to your choices, and here it is. But the second part, I believe, kind of is a blessing in a way. It's almost like he's giving him a challenge. He's giving Esau an eye-opener that he can change his future. He says, but when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. Here Isaac is showing him the consequences of the situation. He's identifying the circumstances of his new life under his brother. He got dealt a bad hand. He did. Have you ever been dealt, dealt a bad hand in life? Have you ever had to deal with broken pieces that someone else has left for you? Have you ever been a victim of an unjust situation? It happens to all of us. But when you decide to break free from that, you will shake the yoke from your neck. So what's a yoke? Not everyone knows what a yoke is. I had to look it up. <laughs> a yoke is a wooden cross piece that they put over animals to pull a plow. So it's a big wooden log almost. And it's got two U-shaped pieces that went around the neck of animals. So there were two side by side hooked together with this big wooden plank. And they had to pull the plow. That's what a yoke is. So they're connected, and it's a burden. It's heavy. They had to work. It was hard. So when you decide to break free, you will shake the yoke from your neck. His yoke was his bondage to his brother now. His yoke is the physical outcomes of losing his rights to his brother. 
His yoke is the mental state he now feels um, as he feels the injustice that he was given. Now, mental bondage is now setting in to Esau as hate and revenge are taking over and leading him to want to kill his brother, and that's in verse 41. From that time on, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme, I will soon be mourning my father's death, then I will kill my brother Jacob. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. If you choose to break free from how you feel from your injustices, you will overcome and you will rise above the circumstances. When you decide you're done playing the victim in your life, whether you are justified or not, we have justifications for things that happen to us. We do, and that's a reality. But when we've had enough of living with the yoke around our necks and the burden of your anger, your hatred, bitterness, loathing, sadness, and darkness, then you will be able to shake it off. You will be able to shake it off and feel the release and the restoration that God can give you. You must decide to, and then you will. So let's finish the story. We're going to skip the life of Jacob because we don't really care about him right now. It's all about Esau. Uh, And we're going to go to chapter 33. We're going to find out what happens to Esau. Most of us know what happens to Jacob. He becomes very fruitful, marries a lot of women, has a lot of kids, gets a lot of cattle, owns a lot of property. But Esau, what happens to him? Is he still harboring bitterness? Is he still wanting to kill and have revenge over his brother? What happens there? So Jacob is on his way back home. In chapter 33, it talks about Jacob wants to come back to the land of his father, but he's a bit scared too because obviously he knows his brother wants to kill him. So he's not sure really if Esau's going to receive him or kill him when he meets up. So he sends a message ahead of time, pretty much letting Esau know, I'm coming back. Let's be friends, or let's be friendly. Please don't kill me. And a message comes back to say that Esau was coming to meet him, but but he's also got 400 men with him. So Jacob is um, a little uneasy about that. In chapter... 33, verse 3. As he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. This is Jacob. Then Jacob went down ahead. As he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. Then Esau ran to meet him, embraced him, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. And they both wept. So last we heard, Esau was planning to kill him, and now he's embracing him. What has he done to overcome the offenses of his brother? How can we overcome the offenses that we're faced with? I think there's four things here that Esau's done um, that we can learn from. Four things. Number one, get breathing room. Don't allow yourself to react to your emotions. We're all emotional people. God made us that way but we don't react to them. We're allowed to feel hurt. We're allowed to feel 
um, pain. We're allowed to feel the injustices that have been done to us. And again, like I said, we are often justified in that, but it's how we react. How do we respond to that? Allow your emotions to settle. Get some breathing room. I'm going to go back to chapter, we're going to jump around a bit because there's reason for that. Chapter 27 again, verse 43. This is Rebecca speaking to Jacob. Get ready to flee to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay there with him until your brother cools off. When he calms down and forgets what you have done to him, I will send for you to come back. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Rebecca understood. Flee, Jacob. Just get out of his way. Let him calm down. Let him cool off. He'll get over it. It took him about 20 years, I think, is what they say in here. But he did. So number one, get breathing room. Number two, forgive and forget what has been done. That's hard to do. Forgiveness can often take time, and that can be a journey in its own. And forgetting can often be more of a challenge than anything else, oftentimes, depending on the situation that you've been through. But forgive and forget what has been done. Neglect to attend those initial thoughts. Put it out of your mind. Cease to think or consider it. Stop thinking about your own problems. Again, that's hard, and I don't say this lightly because this is hard, and it is a journey, and it's a process, but it's important. Number three, move on and move forward. Don't stay in that negative place. Keep moving forward in life. Verse 8 to 9. I have the right chapter. I lost what chapter that was from. Well, don't stay in that negative place. Keep moving forward in life. Esau made a way for himself He was happy with life. He was content with what he had. He did not play to the victim any longer to receive attention or pity. He moved on. He got a life. He moved on. If we don't keep moving, we get stuck in the rut and the trap of our offenses, and it breeds bitterness, anger, resentment, and so much more. So move on and move forward. I was thinking of an analogy like four-wheel driving. Do we have any four-wheel driving enthusiasts? No? Have you ever taken a four-wheel driving course? Jamie knows what I'm talking about. Well, in four-wheel driving, when you're driving through sand, sand is a trap for you. Sand, when you're four-wheel driving, you cannot stop. Because if you stop in sand, you get stuck. And then you have to get someone else who has equipment to dig you out. Or you have to get the sticks and lie them around. You have to deflate your tires and get more traction. You have to figure out a way. But you get stuck and you get trapped in sand. So the trick is, when you're driving through sand, to not stop. You have to keep going. Whether it's slow or not, you have to keep moving and providing that friction, that traction to keep moving. The second thing is you've got to kind of give your steering wheel a little bit of jig. Because, again, it makes that, fraction, that, that friction to go. 
So you can't stop. You have to keep moving. And that's the same thing in our circumstances. We can't stay. We can't stay in those places of bitterness and offense. We have to keep moving on and keep moving forward. And number four, reconcile through blessing. Esau greeted Jacob with a smile, with friendliness, with an embrace. And his acceptance of the gifts was a blessing to Jacob and it ensured a reconciliation. That's in verse 10 to 11, chapter 33. And what are all the flocks and herds I met as I came? This is verse 8, Esau asked. Jacob replied, they are a gift, my lord, to ensure your friendship. My brother, I have plenty, Esau answered. Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob insisted, no, if I have found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It is like seeing the face of God. Please take this gift I have brought for you, as God has been very gracious to me. I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. Sometimes we have to accept things in order for it to be a blessing. We don't want to rob someone else of a blessing, but it's also a blessing to accept something. And in this case, Esau met him with a smile, with love, with acceptance, and he accepted his gifts, and that was a blessing to Esau. So number four, reconcile through blessing. And in Luke chapter 6, it's the random one for the night. Luke chapter 6. 27. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who hurt you. Sometimes the hardest thing we can do is forgive and forget and to reconcile and to bless those who have offended us. It is the hardest thing in the world to do. But I tell you what, when you have done that, the freedom and the release and the burden is gone. You have now shaken that yoke from your neck and it is an amazing feeling. It is an amazing feeling. So as we followed this life of the toxic brotherhood, it's obvious that Esau was wronged. He was wronged. He was taken advantage of. He was deceived. He was cheated. But he shows us the power and the ability to be an overcomer in life. We can overcome the injustices in our life. We can overcome the bad hands that life sometimes deals us. We can break free from those things. We don't have to play the victim card, and we don't have to be constantly offended by the acts of others. We can overcome. We can be a blessing and not a burden. We can overcome, and we can lead and influence. What would have happened if Esau had made a different choice? What would have happened if Esau had decided to kill his brother instead of cooling off, forgiving, forgetting, moving forward, and all that. What, what would have happened? Well, one, he would have been a murderer. He would have had broken family dynamics everywhere, curses, not blessings, life of unfruitfulness. What happens to Esau instead as a result of overcoming the offense against him? He became fruitful. 
He is rich with land and descendants and livestock, which was his livelihood. And the Bible tells us in 36.6 that he had so much livestock and cattle and possessions that he and Jacob couldn't live on the same land. They had so much of abundance that he had to move away just to get space for all their stuff. So even though he lost his firstborn rights and his inheritance, because of his positive choices and overcoming the offenses against him, he was still able to move through life in a positive outcome. His descendants, it says, became tribes and leaders of clans. Talk about a sphere of influence. Think about the positive choices you can make and how it will alter your future for positive outcomes. So what are you facing today? I can get the team back up now. Thanks, guys. What are you facing today? What have you been facing lately? Have you been wronged by someone? Are you facing injustices at work, in your home, with family members or friends? Have you become a victim in some way? Are you facing circumstances beyond your control And are you questioning how to handle them? And what choices will you make? Will they be ones of forgiveness? Or will you harbor that bitterness and resentment about the offense against you? Will you choose to live in that land of offense where you can claim to remain a victim? Or will you rise above the one that hurt you, the horrible thing that happened to you, Will you rise above your circumstances and claim today that you can and you will be an overcomer? You can change the course of your life and put you in the path that God has designated for you with the choices that you make. God wants good things for us. He wants to bless us. But ultimately, our choices cause things to happen as a result. It's a domino effect. Negative choices breed negative things. Positive choices bring positive outcomes. God has a hope and a plan for your future, but we have to choose to follow him and his ways. We have to choose the high road sometimes, even when it's so hard, we feel like crawling under a hole based on what's happened to us, but we need to rise above We have to choose to break free from our offenses. It is the only way to move forward and to move past the negativity in our life. You will overcome if you choose to shake the yokes from your neck. God's plan for you is to prosper, to be blessed, and be a blessing. He has designed us to overcome. We are overcomers, and I pray tonight that whatever you're going through and whatever's going on in your life, that you can reflect on these things tonight and you can be assured that God has planted within you that gift and that ability to rise above. You can and you will, but you have to first choose to and then you will. Thank you. Fantastic. Come on, what do we stand?
anybody you lead us in a song? That'd be good. Yeah. Come on, why don't we just worship God for a moment? Thank you, Lord. we've been focusing on this mindset series Uh, it's amazing how much our mind can consume us how much things like bitterness can hold us back see god he he calls us to live a a blessed life a life that is flourishing Uh, one of my favorite passages is john 10 10 you see the, the thief he comes to steal kill and destroy he comes to get into your head to sow those seeds to tell you you're not worthy, to tell you to hold that angst, that bitterness, that resentment towards those people. But God, he says, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. He wants us to live an abundant life. He doesn't want us to live a life that's bound. The Bible also says to cast our cares 
on him to tell God our our challenges our problems we face you see he knows all he he's there he's praying he's crying out for us and he wants us to talk to him but there's also a part that you and I that we have to play as well Uh, I love where it says to bless those who persecute us to pray for them to intercede them to speak life over them I pray that we don't have attitudes of bitterness man I've been there and I tell you it hurts the only one it affects is you Uh, let's be people who are determined to to look to God to bless those pray for those who challenge us for those who hurt us and let's have a clean pure heart amen and you may be here tonight and you may want prayer for that area you may be facing a challenging circumstance right now and you just want someone to come alongside you and to stand with you maybe from an accountability point of view it would be my honor to pray for you and if maybe if something pastor carolyn said tonight really spoke to you and challenged your heart and you would just like prayer just where you're at i want to encourage you just to raise your hand i'm I'm going to pray for you right where you're at i'm going to believe for god to help you through the circumstance that you're facing right now can i encourage you don't walk out of here the same way that you came in you know if we come in with baggage let's let's walk out of here whole pure right before god amen and i'm not saying that to condemn you i'm saying that to say there's freedom in jesus let's not walk out of here